Welcome to I See What You Mean, a podcast about how people get on the same page or don't, or perhaps shouldn't. Today, my guest is Cal Shintani. Cal's a federal government consulting colleague who's mentored a lot in his career, which we're going to discuss today. Cal, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate uh, being on the podcast. I've uh, listened to several of them. A lot of friends have participated, so I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Why don't we start with a short bio about yourself? Sure. So, Cal Chantani, I've uh, I was a Navy submariner many moons ago and uh, served for seven years active duty. And once I got out, um, I've really been in the federal technology contracting community ever mm-hmm. since. As you mentioned, mostly consulting systems integration mm-hmm. is the primary primary expertise. And I've had all sorts of roles, primarily BD oriented capture, but I've I've had operations. I've run a 300-person organization uh, for one of the large integrators, and I have worked both large and small businesses. And then throughout my career, I've been involved in various parts of M&A, whether we're um, being part of due diligence, acquire a company. I I have been in a company that was acquired, Mm -hmm. but mostly on the acquisition side and helping do due diligence, but more importantly from my uh, perspective and also perspective getting on the same page is uh, the... uh, acquisition integration making sure that stuff works you had mentioned mentoring i've had a great opportunity to mentor quite a bit in my Mm -hmm. career and some of it's been more formal mentoring i'm uh both you and i are part of this organization act iac and they have this great professional development program called partners and i was a partner back in 2003 and after that we created a mentor protege program for folks who were Mm -hmm. more on the entry side only about five to ten years in the in in the industry both government and industry right we started that program in 2005 and i've uh, been fortunate to be able to be a mentor almost every year since it started in 2015 that's a great run yeah it's it's been it's been great and i i've had lots of fun doing it and i've met lots of incredible people yes. and as, as most people who are in a mentor protege relationship the mentor probably learns as much <laughs> so it's it's been really really great the, the uh, m&a experience you have is very interesting and let's sure. work our way toward that but let's start with the okay. mentor sure. the mentor uh experience you have let's say first a word about act iac it's a hyphenated title for yeah american council for technology which is the government side and industry alliance yeah, industry council, advisory is it, advisory council and, right i was going to say for our listeners who didn't know it's a it's a fabulous organization it's a really two organizations one on the government side one on the contractor side mm-hmm. who unite in a it's a non-profit it's a not-for-profit in a right. in a in a way to exchange information build relationships sort of bridge that divide between government and industry at mm-hmm. n- nothing nothing political. I mean, I think we should say this is not about any yes. kind of DNR politics. This is about, I think, the issues that ACT-IAC works on, we could say, are, are more operational. They're strategic and operational for organizations. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is true. And it's also to really understand kind of what the other side, right. how, how they do things, what they're trying to achieve. Right. And by having that open dialogue in a uh, safe space, if you will, you, you can actually get a lot yeah. uh, going more more forward, yeah. you know, getting on the same page. Yeah, that's right. In, that's in your right. Words, right. And they have, they have, they do quite a bit to develop professionals at a couple different levels of career. Yes. 
Yes. And yeah, so there are, it started with the partner program, which I mentioned, which is really focused at the GS 14, 15 level and mm -hmm. rough industry equivalent. So mm -hmm. VP or above. <clears throat> and we would spend a year in a group of anywhere from 20 to 30. Sometimes it got larger, but that, that was the ideal group. Mm -hmm. And we, and each equal parts government and industry. And so you were, you worked as that larger mm -hmm. group and, and got some leadership development kinds of training, but then also pair it up with one government and or you know as an industry guy right. i pair up with one individual from the government right and got to learn a little bit more about what they do how yeah. they how they work that sort yeah. of thing. yeah yeah and then the other and since then they started the voyagers program which i said was for that five to ten year in industry that that individual so a little more junior right and then since then they've started an associates program which really is for the entry level that says you know here are some up-and-comers who've only been in industry or government for a couple of years let's get them uh, access and exposure to these leadership development ideas but also just the interaction of how government and industry can actually work together instead of just being on opposite sides of the fence it's it's great it's great. It's, yeah. it's, ne it's, it's excellent networking in the best sense of the term. Oh, it, it truly is. It truly is. And, and we've, because of that, you know, lots of friends who are or have been government civil right. servants. That's right. And, and we've had the first several Voyagers programs. We had more Voyagers who started in industry and then moved to, to government mm -hmm. as kind of as part of this program. They're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I think I'm going <laughs> to go work on the other side. So it's <laughs> it's been great. But they do some working groups. They call them different things over time. But yes. some work, and and yep. a, jo a joint between government and industry. Yes. They're, they're, they're staffed or they're populated by government industry members. I was on acquisition. There's cybersecurity, yes. right? They have different work groups that do information sharing about the topic, perhaps hold um, sessions, you know, open invitation to the whole entire you know, community, maybe write reports. There, there's some, there's some uh, good thinking that goes on across the line between government and industry when there's, we're, we're not talking about a, a solicitation or a proposal going Correct. on, right? It's just Correct. good information exchange to, like you yep. said, understand how the other side sees things. I mean, this is what, right? Exactly. Getting on the same page, what do you see? What do you make of what you see, right? We have right. those conversations across a, a line like that. That's a very big and important line between government and industry. But right. they collaborate to get things done, so greater understanding produces greater results. One of the, if, if I may, one yes. of the workshops that we've run on and off through Partners and then Voyagers is kind of a role swapping where there's a, a couple of us, you know, as an industry person, I'm supposed to wear a government contracting officer's hat or a COTAR's hat. You know, my government counterpart does the other thing and you're That's coming great. in for that initial fact finding session. And so my my job that I was told by my boss is to get them interested in bidding, but tell them as little as I can. And of course, <laughs> this government person who is now acting as an industry person has to say, hey, I'm just trying to find out as much as I can and also kind of pitch my company. And you you go through that. And at the end of it, both sides of us go. Oh my gosh, that yeah. was hard. Yeah, it's mind bending. You know, that, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So that, that's brilliant. You know, and that that is one of the workshops where people go, "Oh wow, I really, really get it." That's. A, I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually was not aware of that, Cal. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned it. That's a fantastic example of 
shifting the frame or a perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you take on that role, even if it's, you know, it's an exercise. Right. But when you put your head in there, you're using your brain to go, okay, I have a, a little mission right now in this meeting. Right. And what do, how do yes. I do this? Right. right. And then you realize that you come to understand what you didn't know about how the other side operated, maybe assumptions mm-hmm. you made about how the other yes. side operated. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. It, it's a great program. I've I've just had uh, really, really enjoyed being able to participate and gotten a lot out of it myself. Well, let's let's talk about that uh, then in terms of the mentor protege roles activities that you you know the the mm-hmm. the, the, the yes. relationship you have and the things that a, a mentor and a and a protege do together. The the term is used often to refer to perhaps a relatively informal relationship yes but you're also you've also had experience where it was more formal yes tommy i mean it raises some really interesting questions about what it means to get on the same page how do we get on the same page what do we do if we can't mm-hmm. get on the same page right, right right so tell me what tell me something about the same page that mentors and proteges get on yeah so from my perspective i think that part of the mentor's job is to get on the page to understand what the protege is, is trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm uh, working with someone and whether it's career development or they come and say, Hey Cal, here, here's a current, I'm working this project and I'm really having a tough time getting mm-hmm. through to X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. If, if I jump in and say, well, Hey, I've been through this before. So let me tell you young child, how to, how to get this done. You're not going to get anywhere. Right. And so it's a series of asking lots of questions. You can give some advice, but, but I find asking questions, one, to understand where they are, uh-huh. to get their ideas of how they might be able to move forward. Uh-huh. Then you could give some, well, yes, I've tried that way. Here were a couple results when I tried right, it. Right. The first way you mentioned plan B, here's a couple things. So how, how's the best way for you to work through it? And so, I really do try to get on on their page because if I just come in, you know, coming from the mountaintop with my two tablets, it it doesn't it's not going to get me anywhere. So this this is like the uh, workshop you mentioned where the government and industry participants yes. switch roles. What you're saying is the first thing you attempt to do is understand what the protege is understanding the way they understand it. Yes. Yeah. What what are your challenges? What have you tried? What works? What doesn't? What What are you trying to achieve? What are the downsides if you don't achieve it? All of that to let them talk through it. This is but, interesting. Let me ask you. I, mean, I want to get to a real specific point on this because you and I are in our, our 60s, right? Right. And we have one of the things about a mentor is that they there's a probability of having been through something that the mentee or protege is going through. So exactly. it would be easy to understand what they're telling you and have had that experience one or more times and know exactly mm-hmm. what they should consider. Maybe they, what they try is their business, right. but you might right. know exactly what they could, what they should consider. You could interact with them in a way that's like they're Googling you, right? They're hitting you. Hey, Cal, here's a situation. <laughs> what do I do? And you right. have an answer. Right. You spit an answer out, mm-hmm. right? Or you, yes. uh, or, right. But here's what I want to get at. I'm guessing, and I want you to tell me how this works. I'm guessing that produces a certain kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to, separate from, or, or I'm going to contrast, 
if you resist the temptation to to advise, to give an answer, yeah. yes. If you resist the temptation to give an answer, and you spend a little bit more time, as you said, asking questions, where your intent is to understand the situation they're in the way they understand it, you're putting mm-hmm. yourself in a different mindset or mind yes. frame by doing yes. that. And my guess is mm-hmm. that changes the conversation. Yes, I I totally agree. Tell me how it's different, um, and then how it goes. Yeah, if if someone comes to me and says, Cal, here's my challenge. I've done X and Y. It's not working. What do you think? And I say, oh, yeah, been there, done that. Here's here's what happened to me and what I did and why, is, why it was successful. That's that's a point in time. And they, they say, okay, thanks. And they go try it. And maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. If you ask lots of questions to see what they've already tried and then offer up well what happens if you try x what are the pluses and minuses what happens if you try y pluses and minuses what happens if you try z you know what's the teach the person to fish instead of giving them the fish if you can walk them through that process then they then they know next time you know same thing you know whether it's formal mentoring like i was able to do with act iac or the informal mentoring you're you're the leader of a team and you have some yeah. folks coming to you right if you always give them the answer then they'll just come back and ask for the answer <laughs> and if you actually let them work through the thought process and and think of all the things that you would think of and then they come to you and say okay okay coach here here's the deal i've run into an obstacle and here's the three things I'm considering the pluses and minuses. Right, right, I'm right. going this way. What do you think? You know, then, then that's, that's what you want. You want them to be able to come up with those kind of ideas too. There's a difference that I heard you say that I think is very important and I want to highlight it. Let's say some protege talking to you, they need some help. Let's say that there's an immediate or urgent or really sort of primary need They're, They they are mm-hmm. in a situation they have, there's a, there's, there's something they need to figure out to do. Mm-hmm. And the easy thing would be to sort of cut to the chase, cut to that part of the conversation, come up with that. But what Mm -hmm. you said is different, is important is if you help someone figure out their own way of thinking, of of processing, if you ask a lot of questions and help them explore, that's a Mm -hmm. skill they can take to the next situation. Exactly. Because some other situation is going to be a different situation with a different a different challenge and a different answer. If you're always looking for the answer, you'd always be asking somebody, what do I do in a different situation? If you learn, like you said, if you learn for yourself, what works the best for you to sort all these things out, to work through it, to process, to weigh options, to try things. If you learn how to do that, you can always do that in any situation, any time. So the difference in the conversation is one, you get them the answer or you move more directly to answering the question. The way you described you do it is teaching them how to think through it. Yes. And and to your point, you don't necessarily have to understand everything about right. that person's business. Right. Which is also True. you need to be careful on things like that too, right? Is you know, don't don't give answers in an area that's not necessarily your, your area of expertise, but you can always ask lots of really good questions that help someone kind of kind of get to their own answers. Yes, yes. I like that. So you answered my question about the page to get on by saying the mentor has a responsibility to try to get on the mentee's mm-hmm. page, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And that's a that's a, a means to an end. You're trying to understand from their point of view 
yes. to do what we just described, to help them think it through. Maybe there isn't even a single answer that emerges out of that conversation, right? A decision. Correct. But they're th- but they maybe extended or or deepened how they how they're thinking about something. They can keep mulling that over after the call, and and they can they can come to their own decision. You know when they're ready. You get on the same. You sort of get on their page to help them do that. Now that's interesting because there isn't really a same page going on in there. Is there does it doesn't have to be. I'm just curious. You know, um, my, my whole thing is getting on the same page, but. I don't know if there really is one there. Yeah, when when you and I first started talking, you know, gearing up to this conversation, it, I I kind of mulled through: is there a same page? And, <laughs> and from a mentor protege perspective, my belief is you're trying to get on their page, but through this relationship, you end up, you know, finding a similar page that's mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. neither yours nor theirs. Um, so. You, you right. get to that same language after they've heard me ask my questions and never give an answer however many times. <laughs> they, they start to get like, okay, he's, he's not going to give me the answer, but he's going to ask me lots of great questions. And so they... So they shift their minds yeah, a little so, bit. Yeah, so they, they shift a little bit too. Yeah, so I'm not... I, I don't impose my page, if you will, right. on them. Right. But after, you know, after a year of working together, you definitely know each other and and the amazing thing about the act i act mentor protege program is you end up knowing some of those folks better than you know some of your own own people on your team <laughs> and so and that that's the funny thing is when i started doing um the uh, voyager mentor protege i was at uh, a large systems integrator um and had a group of 300 some people right, which right. to tie later on had some original company people and several acquisitions. Right. And I looked in the mirror and said, why am I not doing this you know, <laughs> with where, my own people? <laughs> and I had the great fortune to have a couple people who were really passionate about getting this kind of program going and said, That's Hey cool. folks, what do you think? And, and it just launched and ended up the company actually adopted it sort of for a, a company wide thing that, that started off just in my, my little corner. But yeah, it was, it was very much, hey, you know, eat your own dog food or, hey, you're creating this great stuff over here. Why aren't you let's, using it for yourself? Let's come back to that because it's got some very, a mentor protege program within an organization has some important HR implications. But let's, it let's, does. let's come back yes. to that. Yes, it does. Let's come back. I want to just, I want to, I want to highlight what we can wrap up what we were talking about. I want to highlight what you said, which is, let's say Lou and Cal first call mentor protege relationship. You, I have a, own page you have an own page yep your effort is to try to understand my page mm-hmm. but as you said over time of working together i come to understand yours something about yours i come to understand how your mind operates i come to understand sure. how you're going to interact with me right. so over time I, what you said my interpretation of what you said was we do build something of a a same page from the two own pages. It's a cer- it's a third thing. It's not it's separate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh the in between page. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What occurred to me while you were describing how over time, like you said, a year into yeah. a relationship, something happens in that time though that's about trust. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Right. So there's. Yeah. 
there's a lot of trust built in. If I'm the protege, I come to trust you. I never, I never thought about it till we're talking about it now, Cal. Though I wonder if, do you both come to trust in that third thing? Feel um, like, hey, you know, we've created something we can stand on, we can lean on, we can. Is that a thing yeah. or not? Yes. So b- before I lose the train of thought for the ACT-IAC Meta-Protégé program, we actually talk about that cone of silence or cone of trust that coming into the relationship, I as the mentor will not talk about what I've talked about with, with the right. protégé right. unless I get their explicit permission. To your point of a company mentor-protégé program, we can't always do that. There are some, you know, HR serious issues where we say, I'm sorry, I have to take off my mentor role. If you aren't going to report this, then it's my responsibility to report it. Right. So I I think that's that's where you're going. Right. Right. And onto the, um, you know, that, that shared page, you definitely do develop a sense of trust through that mentor protege relationship. And it continue it, it extends. I mean, I I've had folks that that I first met in 2005 mm-hmm. who've, who've called me up and said, "Hey, how's it going?" Or mm-hmm. you know, folks somewhere in that pipeline say, "Hey, I just I'm getting ready to take on a new job in my company, or I'm looking at this new job. You know, what are some of your thoughts, and what are the pluses and minuses, and what would you look out for? You know, so still still have a lot of that." Which is one thing that I, I love about the program. Yeah, because at that point, those... it's just really a it's a it's a more of a relationship of equals at that point. Yes, absolutely. Yes, um, a lot of these folks are now chief growth officers. Some have started their own companies. Yes, yeah. Their SES is in the government. I right, mean, they, right. They definitely, they've just taken off, and it's just so much fun to see and to see how they use some of what they learned in that mentor protege program and definitely advance the ball a lot faster and better than, than I could have. Well, then here's a question. That, there's a phrase that came to mind as you were talking and pay it forward. Have you seen people become mentors in the more formal way? Or do you have you yes. seen people just adopt the sort of the practices and the approach that they learned in the role with you? And then maybe they take that on as a way of their interacting more with their staff or their team or their colleagues. Yeah, I've, I've absolutely seen that. And I won't, I won't claim any, hey, it's because of <laughs> d- discussions we had. But I've definitely seen people that I met early in their career who have adopted, who have who have become leaders in the ACT-IAC Meta-Protege program, who develop their own teams as they grow either their business or their Mm -hmm. their government side of the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, you definitely see a lot of these leaders, you know, take what they learned and apply it and amp it up and do do even more. And that's that's what makes it so much fun is to to see how how people can can take what you're trying to impart and do even better with it. Well, it seems if they had a positive experience with it, which is what we're talking about. Yes, that they want to have that with others. They want others to have that. Yes, absolutely. And whether, like you said, these are folks who be, who come into leadership positions, whether or not they establish a program, mm-hmm. you could just take the ways that. You learned to talk to, to think, to interact with someone. Mm-hmm. You could take those and just practice them. Yes. In your next staff meeting, right? In the next team meeting, right. in a conversation. Yep. I, I love conversations like that because there's often an aha moment someone has. Like, oh man, mm-hmm. Cal asked me that question. 
I hadn't thought of it that way. Right. Sometimes something occurs to you immediately. Sometimes you just realize, ooh, I got to think about this because I don't know what I think, but I hadn't thought about it that way. So now I'm right. going to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people can yeah. just adopt those practices and use them independent of a mentor-protege program. Sure. And yeah, you're just you making for it. better conversations with people. Absolutely. Do it Do it in your staff meeting. Do it in a one-on-one with someone who right. comes to you with a problem. And you just ask a lot of questions instead of saying, oh, I know the answer. Now, how did you avoid the feeling of, on their part of being asked a lot of questions feels like an interrogation or feels like a... How, how was it more conversational um, than just a barrage of questions? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I I don't remember someone... You know, pushing back and saying, "Oh, you're just interrogating me." Um, <laughs> right. Actually, the one the one person, it's you know my my adult daughter is she's made decisions in her career. All I do is ask her questions. Like, come on, Dad, what do you think? It's like it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> you're the one making the decision. But yeah, I I haven't. Yeah, it's like, hey, stop asking me questions. I want to let's let's get to. Let's get to the meat of it. So yeah, that, there's, well, I, I know you there's and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. I, w- I know you and I wouldn't think an interaction with you in which you were asking a lot of questions would feel awkward or you know feel like yeah, I, I don't think yeah. you would it's, do it that way. It's but a conversation. Yep. Yeah, because what I'm wondering is if some for listeners like what 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 I'm thinking what someone could take away from what we're saying. Right. So you don't want to right. just quote unquote ask a lot of questions. That isn't very conversational. Yeah. It's almost it could almost be off putting. It could almost be. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to offer, you know, as you're asking questions, have, you know, when I found this. You shared something. I, I tried X. Have you considered something like right, that? Right, right. If they say, either yes or no, you say, well, here's here's some of the pluses and minuses when I went down that path. So you, you also share. Right. It's, it's not just asking lots of questions. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I think we might have talked about this, one of the things I'm working on for coaching is a method that, that looks at focuses on four questions or four aspects of a situation. What does someone see in a situation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do they make of what they see? Mm -hmm. What would they do about what they see? To what end? So I'm I'm working on this because I find if I understand that, sometimes I gotta understand about my my own thinking, right? Right. I understand that about you, if I understand that about in a personal relationship, let alone a business relationship, mm-hmm. anywhere, mm-hmm. if I understand what you see in a situation, what you make of it, what you would do, and why, like to what end, I have a much clearer picture in my mind of understanding what you understand the way you understand it. I might mm-hmm. not, it might not be complete, mm-hmm. but the attempt is to is, sure. to, is to understand. Sure. And I don't have to agree, but I right. But yep. but but to your very first original. The original point, the, one of the first things you said is, I want to know what the experience is like for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. help them better if I know what they're going through. Not because I've been through it, and so therefore I have greater knowledge and I can just like come mm-hmm. in like the oracle, not the Greek oracle. Not the company. <laughs> right. Right. Thank you. <laughs> um, but to understand the way they... And here's what I find, and this is why I asked you the question I asked you. If I understand... If I ask those questions and understand something the way you understand it, it gives me a different, a much better place for an interact, a conversation with you. Right. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't feel so much like outside in. I kind of get inside out. And then, and sometimes you make that person you're talking to rethink those things too. It's like, wow, I, 
I, I know what I saw and I made something of it one way, but you're, but you're right. There could be a different way to think about what happened, mm -hmm. a different mm -hmm. way to think about what someone said or a different way to think about the tone of voice, right? That you can just rethink. Right. Yes. So it opens up some possibilities I think are, are, are productive. And having heard me say those things, what do you see? What do you make of it? What do you, what would you do? Why? I suppose you would say that a lot of your conversation is sort of hovered around those things, even if you weren't asking those exact questions. Yeah, it, they they weren't those exact questions, but they they very much we're getting parallel, at those kinds kind of, of kind of yeah. kind of what you're trying to do is is it's making a decision, lots of parts involved, and so if you don't understand all the aspects you mentioned, you don't have the full the full picture, right? And of course, I'm working on this as much for really not at all for a mentor pleasure relationship. I'm working on it for leaders and teams. Yes. Right. Yes. So really important in yep. a team conversation, let's say a team's facing some situation with a client or project management budget, you know, schedule, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you and I know people on a team because of different training, different right. areas of expertise, different responsibilities on the team, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. different Myers-Briggs type, what different role in the company, lots of reasons you see something a certain way. Mm-hmm. So to exchange information with each other about what someone sees, why they what they make of it, what they would do, and why they would do that thing, at least lets others on the team say, "All right, you know, Cal's in charge of the budget. I wasn't thinking about that kind of thing at all. Right, right. Now and I see what he is facing, or now yes. I see what he means." And your last question, to what end, could actually be answered differently by different Very much parts so. of the team, right? Very you know, much so. The PM versus the finance person versus the engineer. Very much so. Yep. And then to understand what the end is, is to open up some possibilities about means. Well, how about, how about, what if you couldn't get on the same page with someone, Cal? You're a mentor, you have a mentor, mentor protege relationship. What if you couldn't get on the same page with them? Yeah, and that unfortunately did happen a couple of times where, you know, that person just got overcome by life and work and whatever and just didn't come to the table. You know, we try to have a monthly call and get together face to face, however often. And um, there, there have been times during that program that it, it just didn't happen. And you try, but you, can't force the mentor protege relationship and right. so you offer things when you when you can and sometimes if you know they're going off you know they're just buried in a proposal or some deliverable or something's happening on the family side you offer up some things every so often just to say hey i just ran across this article thought it might be interesting or i was just talking to sue who works in programs around you and had, and she had these interesting ideas so you, you, it, you can try and, and even but if, you, you can't force it nope and even if the chemistry is just not good do you just do you acknowledge it and just part amicably what we don't always get on the same page with people what, what yes. happens um so part of what i try to do is either whether it's a relationship that's going great or one that you know isn't going as great as, as i personally would like is I don't have the answers to everything. And sometimes, you know, that individual is really looking for expertise or experience in an area that really isn't mine. And Fair so enough. I'll say, I'm really not able, I can ask some good questions and maybe help you sort through it. 
but here's a couple other folks that you might want to talk to that yeah, can okay. give you some okay. good ideas and I'll make the introduction and then they can take it from there. So you acknowledged a limit or a boundary that yes. you saw. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's fair. That's I think respectful. Um, yes. I think it, it doesn't, it doesn't harm the relationship. It's respecting the, the person. It's effective. I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Let's shift to the uh, M&A's by which we mean merger and acquisition, right? And they are very unique events. <laughs> yes, they are. Companies can do it, can, can grow that way. They can do a lot of it. That doesn't mean that a lot of consultants are involved in it. And you were kind of yes. up close and, uh, and personal, right? Yes, yes. What were the roles you played in an M&A or two? Yeah, so ver- variety of roles. In the beginning, it was CEOs looking to acquire a company come in, you're, you're our BD expert in, in this particular field, look at this company and help make a determination. Are they value add? Can, can we make one plus one equal something more than two? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. coming in just on the due diligence side to say, hey, with this company's capabilities, customer footprint, contract vehicles, can, can our, our two combined companies grow faster than what we're doing together. So, so that was my first introduction into okay. the M&A process. And then uh, one of those first companies actually was acquired. And then I was asked, all right, help from a business development perspective to integrate their BD with our BD and start looking at those targets you told us that we could chase. <laughs> go, go start chasing them. Be careful, be careful, what, you, but be careful what you talk about. And so that, that was the beginning, and, and I was able to participate in several of those through several companies. And then when I was at CACI, did that with an acquisition, and then the leader of the acquired company said, you know what, it's time for me to go, go do something else. And the general manager said, okay, Cal, you helped Acquire it, this you know, company. Yeah, yeah, I helped you. Now it's your turn to try to go make it work. You led and it. So I, was actually, I actually led that organization and then started getting other acquisitions. And, you know, through sure, sure. reorgs, sure. some of the quote-unquote original part of the company was, was rolled in. And so really trying to figure out how to how to bring all of that together. Yeah. And that's really and cool. from... Yeah, and from the same page perspective, to me, it's probably more important for the people who are coming into the organization to feel like they are a value added, that that they're valued, that we listen to their expertise, what they've heard as we're going after new procurements, as as we're working together. That you know, I I had the fortune to you know we um, had acquired a company that had some really great processes and were already ISO certified. And so how to take what they did and take it yeah. across the organization. Right, right. Um, and the people who were leading that were leading it for the entire organization instead of, well, we'll, we'll get someone who has the original company brand and they can, they can run it, you know? Yeah, we're all one team now. So you were involved yep. in activities that would lead up to an acquisition. Might not have, but pre-acquiring, yes. yep. you were involved in the research, homework, due diligence, that then you were involved in integrating functions like the right. business development function. Correct. Post-acquisition. 
and then you ended up leading the unit yes. the unit that was acquired or, or, or yes okay. yeah the, okay. The, okay. the entire business was acquired I ended up leading that and then a, a couple more pieces of companies got in, added to it and then some other organizations that just fit well within that customer and capability footprint let's apply some of the same principles we talked about that were the mentor-protege, that were sort of at the heart of the mentor-protege relationship too. Mm -hmm. One company is bringing another one into it. It could be a smallish number of people. It could be a large number. It could be 300 is a large number mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with the same issues of role, relationship, trust, value, or, or worth. Do I fit in? How do I fit in? What do I contribute? Even sometimes, and this is part of it, I'm sure you could tell me in detail, am I going to have a job? Right. Are yeah. Jobs, and and some, there's a lot of that. Are some yep. jobs going to go away? Will it be one of mine? So there's a lot going on in that time. And it's not a, it's this one day when it happens, but there's many months. Yeah, many. Yes. Leading up to it and following it before that dust kind of settles. So what were your, what were your th same page goals or objectives? What were your thoughts? The focus, all the companies I've been at, we've acquired companies you're looking for what they call a cultural fit. Um, we'll, we'll have we'll have more discussions on that, but it's like, are, are you basically approaching the business, your people and the customer the same way? So a lot of the discussions is, you know, people are in the business because they want to be successful. Most of them either want to win new programs or get levels of new responsibility right, on right, a program right, that's right, just right, one. Right. And so it's, it's how to show them that given the expertise that they developed in, the, in the, their original company, and now that they're part of this larger company, here's how they can grow personally and professionally and help the company grow at the same time. And so one way to get those folks energized about being part of the new company I found was, you know, actively involving both sides of the company in a, in a new bid. You and I have both worked those proposals late at night and nothing binds a team as much as, as those late tonight working a proposal and, and we do it. And it's, you know, it didn't matter which old or new company you came from, people were leading and would say, hey, the company we just acquired has some great processes to do X. That's cool. That lady is going to lead this process for us because we're all going to learn. We think that the acquiring company does this other part really well, so that person's going to leave that one. And people start working together, and through those late nights and weekends, they figure out, wow, you know, Sue is an awesome PM. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll be loving to work with her if we win this thing. Interesting. You know, so, so you do a lot of that. So you found, if you could, you found something to get them to work on together sooner rather yes, than later. Yes. And, and also purposely tried to find something that that company was hoping that they could bid but didn't have the capability yeah, yeah, so sure, to sure. talk you know to talk to that capture team and say all right you know we're going to help you you know you're still leading but we're going to help we're going to give you an engineer here and a proposal Re person there right. and we're going to go win this together and and they're like wow this is why this That's makes sense motivating <laughs> yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. I like how you said so culture is just such a big question and seems to be more questions than answers, but I like how you said do you cultural fit being generally do you 
approach work to support clients in, in, in yes. roughly the same way, which yep. means, yep. which means, which means what kinds of things to just make that a little bit more specific. Yes. And so I, I've found that asking many questions <laughs> helps that definition. So I've been in a company that said it was entrepreneurial and we acquired a company that said it was entrepreneurial. When you drill down the, you know, my original companies thought we were entrepreneurial. We did a lot of things, but we had a pretty rigid bid review process. So you could sort out the stuff that like, okay, we don't have a large probability win, so let's not waste our resources. Instead, we're going to put a ton of money into this other one. The company we acquired says, hey, we're entrepreneurial, which meant that they bid a lot of things that they hadn't necessarily positioned for, but that's how they were successful. They were wildly successful by bidding 20 <laughs> projects and winning five of them, and that's more than if they had bid, bid five. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so it's important to understand when you say we're entrepreneurial or we are customer centric or we are employee centric. It means different things to different people. And you really need to ask several questions about, about that definition. That's great. It can even mean different things to people within one organization. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. It ask does. your, ask your customer facing folks who are doing delivery or doing yes. sales, what that means. And that could mean something different to other parts of the organization. And yes. that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the question I always would want to know is, well, are we all clear on that? Or are we yes. not clear on this? Right. Right. Because exactly. if there are differences, we could trip over them. If there are legitimate differences because we have different roles or responsibilities, but we know that. Yes. You get a different team, right. Right. a different exactly. team effort. Exactly. So did you see, were you able to foster, think of like circles in a Venn diagram, more of a, did they come together a little bit more? Because of the conversations, did people start to start start to sort out a shared meaning mm -hmm. of something? Uh, yes, in in most cases, we're able to find something that that worked. There were a couple instances where one company were employee centric, which meant you know they had unlimited vacation and tuition was you know mm -hmm. way high mm -hmm. and. This larger company couldn't afford that for everybody. And mm -hmm. so you had to figure out somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle. But just that conversation alone shows that you do care about your employees. You're just trying to figure out, okay, what what works for this larger organization? How do we make sure that we can be flexible in how we're working with our employees? So you guys sometimes you can have that great Venn diagram where mm. the the, the merger is, you know, that nice big. Yeah, um, they come over, they overlap and move. come. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes it, it doesn't. And it's the same thing with people. There were some people who said, I'm all in. I, I love yeah. this new organization. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the thing I just talked about, uh, the, the company, when was that acquisition? 17 years ago that are still there mm -hmm. and doing very, very well. And others who said, ah, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm going to go try something else. Mm -hmm. And um, that's legit. Yeah, that's yeah, legit. Exactly. Did you, 300 people is a lot. If they're in one office building, you actually could get around to them, but they're often on client sites. Yeah. And so that was spread around. Yes. That was, that was the biggest challenge is that of the 300, 220 to 250 were at client sites. And so that was a big challenge of, you know, how to, 
how to go around and, and see all of those people. So they felt, so they used to work for a smaller company and now, yeah. you know, they're, they feel like they're even more dissociated. And so how to make sure that they knew who the leadership was, you know, that, that they were cared for, but also that they could start to interact. And it's actually something that, that we're able to do. You know, some of my team came to me and was, you know, their idea and, if nothing else can recognize other people's really good ideas <laughs> um, and, and started when we started this mentor protege program, it was, we purposely set up the mentor was in a different organization than the protege. Uh, so there was some of that crosstalk okay. and we started having, we called them bagel breakfast. You know, they, they all, you know, would be there at seven 30 cause they had to clock in at eight or eight 30. Yeah. Um, and the programs would start to talk to each other. And after a while, you know, the leadership team, we're just watching it happen because Isn't that beautiful? they're comparing, oh, well, we were just doing this delivery and the customer asked for this, but what did you guys do? And, and they're going back and forth. And and the same thing from a mid-level PM or the team lead who you want to promote to PM, they're getting exposure to other people. And, and so all, all of that works really, really well. That's beautiful when it happens. It's great to see. Yeah, yeah it, it's fun. In an organization that size, though, it would have changed changed what you did because now you have to you've got people who are direct reports, yep, and then they've got direct reports. It eventually, it gets out to all the people who are leading the work on client sites. But there's a little bit of a hierarchy there, or a lot of hierarchy. Yes. There. And 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 then yes. and then you're communicating up and down through people, mm-hmm. which has all all the known challenges. I would try, like I I talked about the bagel breakfast. I would have you know, go visit, you know, the, the client sites and just it's, Hey, here's, here's an hour with Cal and the rest of the leadership team, you know, where sometimes it's just shooting a breeze and having a bagel. Sometimes, you know, there, there is always a a shorter presentation. I I, I wouldn't want to, you know, do death by PowerPoint, but at least kind of, here's where we're going as an organization. Here's where the company's going. Here's how you fit in. And then and then talk, but yeah, it, it takes takes um, lots of time to go around and see all those folks, but it's it's absolutely essential to do. So, how long was it after the acquisition that you got things you you had the idea about the mentor protege program within that organization? It's probably there a little over a year. Okay, I think. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. So you had some good. Uh, I, I, that's interesting because then you had a period of time where you. You knew how things were running. You could sort of characterize that time. What mm-hmm. happened then after? Did you see a difference in uh, in the culture, yeah. or did you see a difference in performance? You know, so a year later, after the let's say the program is a year old and it's and people are participating in it, what, what what did you see? Yeah, we had a lot more upward mobility. Where before, in order to hire the right PM, you know, we were looking outside. I think we had more upper mobility. Interesting. We had, we had folks who had been in one customer set for five years or ten years, and they and they moved over to another one, and were able to bring that that's good customer experience yeah, as yeah. well as as the new yeah, stuff. Sort of cross um, pop, so pop, yeah. pollinate. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so so that worked, and then as I mentioned, so after probably a year and a half, then the company did another acquisition. And the company they acquired, they actually split into two pieces. One was more intelligence related and I, and mm-hmm. that went off to one group and I got the other one. And so having already 
been through mm-hmm. the first one, we're able to integrate those folks in, I think, a little more quickly and, you know, got got their leadership integrated in pretty well. Interesting. Yeah. You had a, you had a fun career, dude. <laughs> it was fun. I, I, uh, I lucked out with uh, working with lots of really, really good people and, uh, and got to do lots of interesting things. It was fun. All right, my friend. Okay. Thank you for joining the podcast today. I enjoyed our discussion like I knew I would, and we covered a lot of ground and some good things. Thank you. Blue, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the discussion and uh, kind of came away thinking of even new things. Like, <laughs> oh, here's how I could do a little better on getting on the same page with someone. So I appreciate it. I, I, that's, I love hearing that. It's a great conversation. I think we probably gave listeners a few things, aha moments of their own and a few things to try. No, thanks. Thanks, my friend. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. And that's how we see it, my friends. I want to thank Cal for recording today's episode. You can find it at iseewhatyoumean.castos.com, plus all the usual places. Send questions and suggestions through your app. Subscribe and give me a five-star rating unless you can't, in which case, let me know why. And join me next week when we take another look at how to get on the same page and stay there, unless we shouldn't. Bye.